0: This is Radio R, you're listening to Eurobubble. Good afternoon. 526. That's the number of days for which Sebastian Kurz was the Chancellor of Austria from December 2017 to May 2019, when his government fell after the so-called Ibiza affair. After an election two weeks ago, however, he's due to return to his seat, with his party actually gaining more votes in the snap election. What will that mean for Austria and for Austrians? My guest today is Sophia Weitzer from Vienna. Hi Sophia.
1: Hi Martin, thank you for having me.
0: I said that you came from Vienna, but uh, that's not really precise, is it?
1: Yes, I'm from a small town in Lower Austria, but I live in Vienna for my studies.
0: What's the town called? Wolfsdorf in Weinfiedl. Okay, uh, Weinviertel is uh, what my next question is going to be about actually. Uh, because the name is Wine Quarter, right? Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, can you tell us something about uh, why the area is called Wine Quarter?
1: Well, Lower Austria has four quarters, as it is this definition of quarter, and there is the in the indus- like industrial quarter, mm-hmm. kind of the wood quarter, the moss quarter, which is a sort of alcohol, okay. and the wine quarter. And in and in actually, every in all the four quarters, they have wine. Like wine plants and production of wine. But um, I think just culturally and historically in the wine quarter, it's like their most important uh, thing. Okay. So it's called (laughs) wine quarter. Right. It doesn't really reflect onto all the inhabitants.
0: You do study law in Vienna, though, if I'm correct. And uh, Vienna is where some very interesting political events are unfolding as we speak. Uh, We mentioned that the government of uh, Sebastian Kurz fell this May after something called the Ibiza Affair. Uh, Could you please uh, explain to us briefly what happened?
1: Yeah, so in May there was um, this video published by two German and one Austrian uh, newspaper (coughs) showing uh, Heinz-Christian Strache and Johann Godenos, yeah, that's his name, um, so the uh, head of the right-wing party uh, and one, like another politician of the party, which is um, has always been really close to Hartz mm-hmm. um, and this video showed those two uh, in a thinker in Ibiza, um, kind of, like discussing uh, with an alleged Russian rich woman. Okay. Um, different. Uh, aspects of what they would do if they get in power after the next elections and uh, mentioning some things like um, having to push certain people in one of the, uh, like in the, in the most popular newspaper in Austria mm. and maybe um, fire some others and stuff like, like basically trying to sell this newspaper to this Russian woman for support mm. during the election. And um, this all happened, I think, four years ago, something like this. But the video was published in 2019, right before the European elections. And um, after this publishment, christian um, Fjernstache stepped back as the head of the party
2: mm-hmm.
1: and also as vice-chancellor, because that he was vice-chancellor before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, in the following days, also the whole uh, government was resolved and um, then there was this interim uh, government, and now in uh, October we had, no, in September mm-hmm. we had um, our elections, where the FPU, so the right-wing party, actually lost a lot of votes.
0: Okay, and uh, what about uh, the FPU? Did it have any other big scandals uh, when they were part of the government?
1: <laughs> there were scandals like every week, <laughs> but they were just not. I think they weren't not perceived as scandals anymore because there were so many. It, I think it's like, I think it's comparable with things maybe Trump says or something because basically everything he says is kind of stupid. But people mm-hmm. aren't shocked anymore, and it's not that bad with the FPO. But there were so many different things um, within the party, not only like um, the the FPO always try to distinguish between. The regional parties of the FPÖ, which um, they said, like, they were trying to, the regional parties of the FPÖ did really strange things, like, for example, publish a poem about refugees comparing them with rats or something. Okay. And uh, kind of, like, um, top FPÖ politicians always said, like, yeah, the regions that we were Mm-hmm. Uh, so,
0: what made the Ibiza affair different than the other scandals? That's
1: a good question. I think it was just like the thing that um, it showed, basically corruption, was more uh, kind of like a wake, wake up call for a lot of people, and because it was kind of published in such a big way, like this German newspaper who inter- uh, which intervened, and um, I think. It just showed really blatantly what the FPÖ was all along and uh, in the just a, such an obvious way. And the things before, there were a lot of ways to maybe say why, it's, why it is okay, why it's not that bad. And I think the Ibiza video was just so in your face that nobody could really
2: mm-hmm.
1: ignore it. Even though the FPÖ in the European elections, like, for, uh, two days later, after the publishing of the video, EPU the uh, was really strong because w- a lot of like um, like say voters that have always voted EPU
2: mm-hmm.
1: was kind of just like a trigger reaction that they said, "Oh, now I I will get the FO into the government because all the rest of us are um, conspiring against us," and because the EPU. Ever since the video was published, they tried to um, kind of put it into a light of they were tricked and it was a crime committed on them because they were uh, secretly espionaged and all that. Okay. And I think now, after like the a few months of talking about it and kind of like working up mm-hmm. the details, more people have realized uh, because they've lost a lot of votes in this. Yeah. Uh,
0: this. Do you remember what uh, your first reaction to hearing the news was back in May?
1: Um, it took me a long time until I actually grasped the whole thing because um, I saw just little parts of the video there and then little parts of the video the um, this side maybe. Um, and I think like I was with some friends, and I think we all kind of realized that probably this government government is going to end like it is now.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think on the same day already, there were uh, huge protests and kind of like like celebrating protests in front of the chancellor's office. Um, so I think it was pretty clear, uh, quite quickly that uh, Rache has to go.
0: Did you also take part in the protests?
1: Uh, no, but that's because I wasn't in Vienna at this point. But I would have if I was there.
0: Do you think that there was a certain group of people maybe that reacted uh, very strongly uh, to the accusations to the affair, or some other group that uh, didn't really seem to care?
1: Accusations to, uh, against uh, the against FAU, you
0: Farka, mean? I would say the EBIT affair. Yeah,
1: I think, as I said, the uh, um, people who have always Always voted uh, the right party. Yeah, I think they try to. I don't uh, even in their head. I think they try to put it as if Strache was the victim, because I think it was. I think for uh, it was. It would be hard for uh, people who have always uh, supported Strache seeing this now, and I think it's kind of like a self-defense reaction. They are. they like try to uh, explain this with other uh, reasons. For example, I was sitting in a cof- in a cafe, and there was a woman at a table next to me, and she was talking to her friend, and she said um, that she is sure, like she thinks that Drache was just in Ibiza taking um, part in the acting class, and the whole okay. video was just part of this acting class, and that it wasn't even real, just acted. Uh, and to me, that seems so absurd. It just has to be kind of like a self-defense reaction to kind of explain yourself why this party or this person that you've voted for so long. Well, I guess uh, it's,
0: you know, good to have culturally educated people in our government, though, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah that's, that is
0: right, yeah. What was Strache's attitude uh, towards the protesters? I'm asking because, uh, for example, here in the the Czech Republic, Prime Minister Babiš once claimed that the people protesting against him are being paid by unknown sources. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the protesters took him to court because of that. Uh, So I'd like to know whether politicians in Austria sometimes maybe also say uh, such things.
1: Yeah, uh, in this particular protest, I don't think so. But I, I also think that it wasn't like... This place to say something in this situation about the protesters. But I think there were, because since the um, black and blue, so the UFOP and government started, there have been demonstrations every Thursday. And I think I remember that um, politicians were saying like, wrong, like false numbers about the participants of the, demonstra- uh, the protesters mm-hmm. and about the like, counter-protesters. Um, but um, Not like, I don't think there was something uh, like anybody ever said that they have been paid, but like similar, I think, especially about the counter, I think they have said something about their that there were more counter-protesters that there actually have been. Mm -hmm. And I think also something about that uh, police involvement that so many policemen had to uh, interfere, but that was actually not true, something about that.
0: So the protests were actually the main reason why Strache, uh resigned from his position, or was it something mm-hmm.
1: else? I don't think so. I think it was more like it, internal talks because, like, right after the video was published, um, the president uh, invited both the chancellor and the vice chancellor for like, to talk, and um, the I think that the president and both the chancellor kind of asked him to resign. Okay. Because I think for Sebastian Kurz, it wouldn't have been possible to let Strache uh, continue the coalition. Mm-hmm. I think that for his reputi- uh, reputation, would have been very bad. Mm-hmm. For
0: was, it, was it difficult for Kurz to uh, form a coalition, a government with uh, the Freedom Party, with the FPÖ?
1: Mm, I don't really uh, think so. It was really, like, uh, the years before it had always been coalition between the Social Democrats and the uh, ÖVP, mm-hmm. and the, the FPÖ, yeah, and the FPÖ and the ÖVP have, they are much closer in their political views than the uh, coalitions before, especially because I think with Kurz, the ÖVP has moved more to the right,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so they've gotten really close. Um, and I think that that's also what um, the FPO always portrays their uh, kind of reign in government. That it was such a well-functioning coalition, and that they've that so many um, so many new laws and so many new ideas, which is not wrong. <laughs> like they've uh, just come to um, agreements really fast, and I think they have similar views. Okay, and when you mentioned that
0: uh, they had a lot of new ideas, uh, do you recall some very like important policy decisions they, t- they took? Maybe.
1: Mm, yeah, they um, changed the. So every family gets money for uh, their children, um, depending on how old they are, how many children you have, and mm. your uh, like all over financial situation, and they changed the system. And I can't and I, and I really explain how the new system works, also because I don't fully okay. understand it. But it's just it's quite complicated. Um, but the result is just that um, the people who already have less money get that they don't get more than the uh, people who have more money. And the social minister, uh, like minister for social affairs, who is from the FDP always portrayed um, this draft to be like that every family has so much more money in the end of the month and things like that but it's just um, like it's it's good for people who already have money but not for people who don't yeah I know now it's it's kind of like a percentage of um, your uh, salary kind of thing so Mm -hmm. quite obvious how like yeah. People who always have a higher salary get more money, which just makes make so
0: much sense. Uh, Sebastian Kurz was also the youngest political leader of the world when he became chancellor. And um, when people try to explain his quick uh, rise to power, uh, they often say about him that he possesses a certain charisma. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it actually that people like about uh, Sebastian Kurz? I think
1: he's uh, quite eloquent. But so I think he he knows how to uh, like put himself into public. Uh, he's really uh, not relatable, but um, I don't know, he he's not that kind of like uh, people often um, say that politicians have lost their connection to the people. And uh, I think in the way Sebastian Kurz talks and presents himself, it doesn't seem like he has lost the connection, like he's still down with uh, the common population, mm-hmm. kind of. And I think also just, I think I, I've heard a lot of elderly people saying they are going to vote for Sebastian Kurz because he's so young and he brings the like young spirits mm-hmm. and, uh, on the table and... I know. I think just the being young is kind of like it's a difference to all the other politicians, and I think that's what people also found interesting.
0: What about the way he presented himself in the election campaign? So, it was uh, was he being young uh, one of his big points?
1: Mm, I don't think so much, but he was definitely the total focus of the whole uh, election campaign. For example. Like it wasn't. It isn't about the ÖVP anymore. It's just about Sebastian Kurz. Like Sebastian Kurz has turned over the whole party. Like when he got in charge, of, like he was um, when he became head of the party. The party actually was called List de Kurz for a few months. So List Kurz, just his name. And now it's the Neue Volkspartei, so the New uh, People's Party. Hmm. But he also changed the color. He really brought like uh, a lot of new uh, into the room, and also on the election, like in the campaign posters, for example, there there isn't the website to the, the uh, like övp.at övp uh, yeah, but sebastian kurz.at. So, okay, so be, he became the like stuff.
0: the main uh, selling point of the party. So would that be it's
1: correct? Not, I feel like it's less about the actual content of what the FOP stands for, but mm-hmm. it's more the Kurz Okay. and what he stands for. He stands for, yeah, new things and uh, like a better Austria. I don't know. It's not really graspable for me what he actually stands for, but. Okay.
0: Uh, This election was also marked by a surge of popularity of the Greens, which uh, lost all their seats in the 2017 election, uh, but gained almost 14% of the vote and 26 seats this time. And the Mm -hmm. most popular coalition theory in Austria is that it will be and the Greens to form the next government, if I'm right. Uh, How did it happen that the Greens got so much more votes than the last time?
1: Well, I think last time... um it was a lot of internal problems because they um, their head that was uh, in charge for like a long time, she stepped back and then there was two women um, and as the head of the party and I think everything just, internally they had a lot of conflicts and there was this one uh, guy, Pilz who grew up with the Green Party, formed his own party, Lister Pils, and um, he has always been one of the more uh, like charismatic and intelligent like seemingly uh, at least um, people of the Green Party. and I think a lot of people followed him because he uh, got into the Parliament at the last uh, election. And I think the Green Party just failed in uh, really showing what's there values are, and just got stuck in their own internal problems, and I don't know. And I think this year, as probably uh, in a lot of other countries, uh, because of the whole Fighters for Future uh, campaign going on, people started thinking more about climate change, and um, deciding to vote the Green Party instead of... I think they got the, most of their votes from the SDUs or the Social Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Because they, in this election, um, I think they failed a bit to put the focus on climate change as well. Because I think for a lot of people, climate change was their uh, reason to vote. Like their reasoning for uh, choosing a party. Mm
0: -hmm. And do you think it's likely for courts and the Greens to actually form the government, as uh, many people are saying?
1: I think so, because I don't see a lot of other possibilities. Because... um, The UVP has said before that they don't want to form a coalition with the Social Democrats anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And the FPÖ has said itself that they want to be in the opposition. So there's not a lot of possibilities anymore. Because there's one other party, the NEOS, so they're a neoliberal party, but they don't have enough um, points. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the only possibility, maybe... They surprise us and they will um, form a coalition with the SPÖ again, but I think it is going to be the Green Party. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think that uh, maybe the Greens will have an effect on uh, how kurtz uh, presents his policies? Or uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I think if he forms a coalition with the Green Party, he has to... Open up a bit because I don't think he can uh, ride in the same direction he did uh, with the FU because I don't think that the Green Party would uh, agree on that. So um, I think he will change his course a little bit because otherwise you know, it wouldn't be a functioning government.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so what is the general impression that uh, you have, or maybe you and your friends have, uh, of the election results? Are you happy about it or uh, not so happy because of something?
1: Well, I was very happy about the loss of the FPÖ <laughs> because I was really afraid that uh, people still don't realize. Like We saw after the Ibiza affair and the European election that they even gained votes and um, even though there were even like a few more scandals uh, right before the election um, I was just maybe doubting humanity a bit so I was really (laughs) happy to hear that but uh, I was also really happy about the result of the Green Party. I was really not, not shocked but I was kind of in awe about how many votes the ÖVP gained and the Social Democrats lost, because the Social Democratic Party has been one of like, the strongest or maybe close second place for 40 years. Um, and now they only have like 22 or I think 20%. Um, and I think the ÖVP has reached the highest um, votes uh, in their... no have they? No, they have reached uh, yeah, the vote with the highest, uh, like, how do you say, high- highest difference to the second place. Okay, yeah. Um, and with some friends, uh, we were betting on the results, and nobody guessed that UPP would have uh, 37%. Okay. <laughs> it's really high, in my opinion. How close um,
0: were you to the results? When you bet it,
1: I think I gave the UVP thirty one.
0: Okay, uh, how much did they get?
1: Thirty seven. Oh, okay. Or it, I think even I think it was even most of my friends said that they would have under thirty mm-hmm. percent. And the like there were um, estimates before the before the uh, election, and nobody said that they would have that mm-hmm. much. Okay.
0: We're talking about the Austrian snap election with Sophia Weiser from Vienna. We'll be right back. You're listening to EuroBabble on Radio R. My guest is Sofia Weiser. Uh, that was Karel Gotts and Thousand Fenster, a song with which he represented Austria at the Eurovision Song Contest in 1968. Uh, his death was without a doubt the biggest news in the Czech Republic last week, with the government announcing a national day of mourning for this Saturday. And the media wrote that it was also noted in countries like Germany, Russia, and Austria. So my next question Sophia would be whether that's true. Was the death of Karel Gott big news in Austria?
1: It was definitely news, um, because I think uh, a lot of people know Karel Gott through the show Biene Meier, so <laughs> b Maya, and um, I think even ORF, so the, main, like the state uh, TV channel. They, when they announced Carl Gott's death, they said they were now honoring it with showing five episodes of Maya which I found it I don't know, not so suitable. I don't know, I think there's a more appropriate way to honor um, somebody. But I, I think Carl Gott was definitely, especially in the generation of my parents, mm-hmm. quite known.
0: So, uh, the main connection that Austrians would have with Karlgot would be Biene Maya" "Chelka Maya." Probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a pretty fairly popular song here. Uh, I yeah, think that really nice okay. I heard him talk about that he didn't really like it in the in the beginning, but then people started uh, asking him to play it on concerts live, actually. So he mm-hmm. used to always end them uh, with "Bina Maya." Karlgot said that he didn't like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, but I don't want to spread misinformation here. Yeah, but I think I heard something like that. So the
1: what, or did is even more <laughs> strange. Yeah. But yeah, I I think a song is nice.
0: Mm-hmm. I mentioned that he represented Austria at the Erosion Song Contest, which is a popular TV competition, of course. And Mm. uh, speaking of Austrian TV, a couple of weeks ago, I attended a screening of the first two episodes of a new Austrian TV show called M. A City Hansen Murderer, which is based on a very famous uh, German or Austrian German 1931 movie of the same name. And after the screening, there was a debate with two of the actors and I asked them what Austrian TV shows they would recommend to us, Czechs. if we want to like get to know Austrian TV better, because it mm-hmm. was a um, festival of TV shows. And uh, what one of the actors said to me uh, is that he doesn't uh, normally watch Austrian TV at all, because most of it is, and I quote now, shit. <laughs> would you agree with that assessment?
1: I don't know. I think... Austrian. I don't really like Austrian. I don't like these Austrian TV shows that run on like ORF after like a uh, twenty fifteen prime time on television. ORF is the um,
0: public TV, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, but like, there's one um, like late night show, an Austrian one, which I really like, and I do. I must say. I like Austrian cinema. I don't know. I mm-hmm. I like um, the the humor. Uh, not all the comedians, but a lot of uh, comedians have. And I also like the more like a bit more <clears throat> art house movies. Mm-hmm. There are some which I think I don't know. I think they have a certain flair, and I like that kind of. I I would agree with him that. Like the TV shows that run on uh, Austrian televisions are not the best, but I think for movies I would not agree. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of Austrian movies. And
0: mm-hmm. uh, what are some Austrian movies that you would recommend us?
1: I would really recommend the there is trilogy that's called Der Aufschneider, uh, so kind of like the. The One Who Cuts Open. I don't know how to translate. But it's about um, it's about a surgeon who uh, gets involved in, in like a murder uh, situation. And it's really um, macabre. It's the English word. I don't know. Nice. So it's really on the edge of maybe being not so appropriate. But funny and kind of a, funny in a really weird way, mm-hmm. I don't know, not that it's like an obvious joke, but the situations are just so absurd that it's kind of funny, I don't know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah. Schneider. it's in German, so I don't know how many Czech people, I don't know if there's a Czech translation, <laughs> I kind of doubt it. I'll, but try, if you know, to, I'll
0: try to like post it on uh, the show's Facebook sites and we'll see, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Maybe people will watch it, maybe people will like it, we surely <laughs> hope we d- uh, they will. And uh, I have to say that one very famous Austrian show, as I also mentioned when I uh, made a post regarding this uh, episode on Facebook, uh, a very famous Austrian show in the Czech Republic is uh, Commissar Rex, or Inspector yeah. Rex in English, uh, and uh, I think that's... Uh, Quite a lot of listeners will know it, but uh, it's about an unbelievably smart police dog that hunts criminals. Uh, I have to say it's not very realistic, but that doesn't mean it's (laughs) not uh, very popular. Or maybe it was popular about 20 years ago. Uh, But uh, what I wanted to mention is that almost every time during the last year, when I started doing the repeats, when I visit my grandparents, my grandma turns on the TV after lunch and there's Commissar Rex, uh, followed by another Austrian TV show, The Mountain Doctor or Doktor. Oh, yeah, that's uh, awesome, yeah. And uh, are those TV shows also a part of the quintessential Austrian grandma experience, as they are a part of the yeah. quintessential grandma experience? I just wanted, uh, when you started
1: talking about Commissar Rex, yeah. the first thing I wanted to say is that I've never watched it, only when I am at my grandparents' uh, house. <laughs> So um, I know, like I have two friends who love Black Doctor, which I cannot understand. But I think it's mostly people of the grandparent Mm. generation who watch, especially Black Doctor. I think it's that's a really um, the show is targeted towards um, people who uh, live maybe a more rural life Mm -hmm. than. And have maybe, like, yeah. Okay. And Comicerex, I, I don't know anybody my age who watches Commissar I think it's also really uh, for people over 60, something. Yeah,
0: not, not that surprised that you don't know <laughs> And uh, are there any other, maybe, movies or TV shows or just aspects of what uh, would be called, uh, what would be part of the quintessential Austrian grandma experience?
1: Hmm, yeah, um, I don't know how to say it in uh, how in English, but schlager. Uh,
0: yeah, we have that word in Czech as well, but I don't know how to translate it into English as well.
1: Okay, but the, can you say the Czech word? Uh, <laughs> <that> schlager, <people? laughs> because okay, it's just a G-
0: German word translated to Czech. Yeah, it's
1: just or, just, just right just really um, like country-like music.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: with just really uh romantic and i don't know it's like every everything is about love and just really bleh, i don't know sl- slimy yeah. <laughs> everything like and there we are these shows like traditional
0: um, music but very very like of cheap value
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the the music itself like everything sounds the same um and the text has no actual content it's just mm-hmm. words that, i don't know sound nice they mm-hmm. but um these shows and television uh, it's called the Musicantenstadel so the Musician's Stable uh-huh. okay. and um, it's just like this uh, one guy who just looks right like he's right out of the 80s so he hasn't changed it all the last 30-40 years uh, he just hosts um, Schlager Singles so um, it's just one Schlager musician of another performing and it's just slag of music all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with people sitting there in the stadel clapping and like dancing to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've always uh watched it at my grandmother's home. Oh, yeah. You can watch it ironically. Um but <laughs> I think the music is, if you really if you can't like, if you don't like the music, it's just not bearable to watch it uh-huh. because it's really
0: uh, we have we have one teacher here uh, at my school, uh, which uh, when we are having a lecture, uh, he doesn't uh, really speak from the podium, but he takes like a hand microphone and he walks uh, around uh, the pupils, the students. And mm-hmm. actually, I said that he looks like one of the Schlager singers, because he <laughs> would always like grab the mic and talk to the elderly people yeah. in the audience, right? <laughs> It's also funny that, uh, that the both the Czech and the German word is basically the same, it's Schlager, Schlager. Yeah. Uh you And see. it's also interesting because I coincidentally have a little game prepared for you,
2: oh, <laughs> uh,
0: which is uh, about Czech and German words that sound the same. Okay. Uh, because the languages have coexisted near side each other for a very long time. So there's a lot of words in both the languages that have the origin in each other. So I've mm-hmm. got some world uh, pairs prepared, i just like to like guess which ones came to Czech from German and which ones came to German from Czech. Mm-hmm. I have a very easy one first, or at least I think it should be easy, uh, they are strudel and strudel, uh, which of course is a type of originally Austrian pastry. So does it come yeah. from German or from Czech?
1: Um. <laughs> Sure, it's from German yeah. because we have the same word for kind of like the thing in the in the water when the water starts strudling, <laughs> and it's the same not the same movement it does. Uh-huh. So
0: I, yeah, it comes I, from Old High German. German for whirl. I think yeah, is how that's how it's pronounced in yeah. English. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one would be the Flasche and flascha bottle. So like the bottle. Yeah, Flaska in Czech. Um,
1: I don't know. There's also the English word I mean, "la." So I maybe I don't know if English an English charger would get the word from Czech. So maybe I would also say German.
0: Yeah, it's German. Also, yeah. the, the Czech word is not like correct standard Czech. It's like slang dialect. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it would be yeah. life, but I don't think anyone says that. Uh, okay, the third one. Uh, Golache and yeah,
1: I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Czech because for the German language, this word sounds really weird. Like, <laughs> It's not similar with any other German words, so it would say it's Czech.
0: Yeah, it, was, it would be correct. Uh, yeah. But also, uh, when I was looking up these words, uh, I had a look at what you call Golache in, uh, in German. And even though the words are basically the same, I have to say that the thing, the pastry that you describe is completely now. different. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the Czech ones like, are rounds, and yours are like buns.
1: Yeah, ours are like uh, folded in the middle. It's like yeah. a square piece of dough filled with usually uh, like dairy, like uh, yeah, like the cheesecake kind of dairy mm. product. Yeah, and then fold it into the middle.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And yours are just round, and then there is yeah.
0: Circle is a very but Are, your, are
1: yours also sweet? Yes. I really? think
0: that they could be also be salty, but uh, I guess in that case it would be just a pizza. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I guess there would be collage uh, filled with, I don't know, maybe some savory thing, but usually it's.
0: Yeah. Uh, the next one would be the words for snail. So die Schnecke in German mm. and Schneck in Czech. Schneck. Ooh.
1: Huh. Difficult. I don't know. It's it's just it's such a normal word for me. But maybe uh No, I say it's German. Ruth.
2: It is
0: German. <laughs> and again, uh the correct Czech word would be Hlemish, but no one ever ever says that. The next one? Uh it's a type of like plum cream, not sure what the correct English Povidl. expression would be. And yes, it's uh, Povidl yes. in German and "povila" yeah. in Czech.
1: That must have Czech roots as well because, again, it's such a weird word for every time I say this word to a German person from Germany, they're like, what, what is that word? <laughs> it sounds really strange for a German. Like, so it's so only I, in Austrian like, German? Yeah, in, like in Austrian. Everybody says it, but if you think about it, it's weird. Like also with collage, nobody says the word and then thinks, oh, that's yeah. a weird word because <laughs> it's so, like, we've gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it closely, it doesn't, like it does, has, doesn't have any similarities with other German oh, words. No. So I'm guessing it's Czech.
0: Yeah, you're, of course, you're right. I'm doing really uh, good.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh,
0: the next one, sugar. So in German, that would be Zucker and in Czech it would huh? be sugar.
1: Isn't that really just a widespread word? I don't know, like sugar, the English word is so similar as well and in French for example I don't know but is it, like, what is the Czech word? Is it like just Zucker. really similar? with the?
0: I think it's just like the R and the R.
1: Okay, yeah, but I I think it's also German.
0: Well, you guessed it right on the first time because it's a catch. Uh, it doesn't come from either. It comes okay. from Italian, okay. which comes from Arabic, which comes from yeah. Persian, which comes from Sanskrit. But yeah, it's a very widespread word, as you said. Yeah. Okay, so and the last one would be buchteln and buchti, which again are a type of pastry mm-hmm. for our English listeners. Hmm.
1: What is it? Is it also... Like a dough filled with jam or something yes. in Czech. Yeah. Buchteln.
0: Buchteln and Buchti. Or Buchta in singular.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's I think in German it sounds like that like we took another word and then made it Austrian with the um in the end. So I think it's I guess it's from Czech.
0: And you have a 100% success rate today, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, congratulations. <laughs> um, so that was a couple of German or maybe Austrian German words. And Austria is the country we are talking about in today's Eurobabbel. And uh, we'll be right back after a song. Mm-hmm. We've just listened to Bangalow by the Austrian band Bilderbuch. Uh, my guest here on Radio Eye Sophia Weiser from Vienna. This year, Austria celebrates 100 years of it being a republic after the dissolution of the Habsburg monarchy in 1918 and the creation of the so-called first Austrian republic a year afterwards. When Austrians think of the monarchy, what comes into their mind?
1: Mm, I think, at least for me, the first thing would be Sisi. So... The wife of Kaiser Franz Josef, uh-huh. who was the last um, Kaiser, the last monarch, um, because she's like she's everywhere on their city uh, chocolate, um, like the little chocolate uh, coins, and there's a city museum, and there's this really famous picture of her, uh, like everybody knows. And I think like, she's in so many, there's so many movies about her. She's like, in, in pop, no, not pop culture, but in, she's really, there are a lot of adaptions in culture um, about Hissy. And I think the, those adaptions aren't always very um, accurate. So I don't, wouldn't say that if I, like the first association with monarchy is actually accurate. But I think it's definitely the most present, especially because it is already quite long ago, and Fifi was the last and, the, and a really, really bright personality, I think. Really, uh, I don't know, popular, but really uh, wide known everywhere mm-hmm. like after the monarchy, okay. because during the monarchy, obviously. <laughs>
0: And Czech lands were also a part of this multinational state. Czechoslovakia became independent only shortly before the war ended. Uh, but later during uh, the Cold War, for 41 years, the countries were separated by the so-called Iron Curtain, meaning mm. that most people couldn't really cross the border. And so the two nations that were part of a, uh, the same country for 300 years slowly drifted apart. Uh, what should you say that most people from your country think of when they think of... Czechs or Bohemia
1: hmm. I, don't, I, I don't think there are even any stereotypes. I mean, I think there definitely are there are stereotypes uh, towards people coming like from um, like Eastern countries coming to uh, Austria. Especially, I think they're especially the way they talk in German. I think is mocked quite often, um, or at least the the like stereotypical way they talk uh-huh. in German. Uh, and there's also there also uh, like derogatory words, but I don't think that it is that. I think the time where um, especially uh, people from Eastern countries were discriminated was. Has a way I think now it's other people getting <laughs> discriminated. Okay. But I think uh, that. No, nah, I don't think that there is such a. At least in my point of view.
0: Is there might be something that's like. One, I don't know. Um, on Czech people. Historical figure or product or something, whatever that uh, people connect. Yeah, to I think Republic. in the
1: generation of maybe our grandparents, they are, they have a different view on Czech people, and I think that. Um, this what, like there's one derogatory word that uh, I don't even know where it comes from, mm-hmm. but I think it was something during the monarchy, and I don't think that like it's I think it's more it was more used in a generation of our uh, grandparents than now, so I think like now I think in my generation there's not a very strong yeah. opinion
0: people and so with the uh, like nations of the former monarchy uh, uh, is there some specific one that's maybe Austrians feel especially fond of or close to
1: the old monarchy yeah hmm? uh, i don't i don't really think so i think so maybe the- because austria was always the sort of main part of the monarchy it's not it was a different relation we had to the other uh, countries than maybe um, the other way around. I think mm, no, I no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know which country to pick. I don't think there is one in particular.
0: Okay, so the ties maybe didn't were not as strong as uh, people used yeah. to think they were.
1: Yeah, definitely not. I don't think that even tourism or something, uh, I don't think that um, the countries of the old monarchy are that uh, present for Austrians for maybe as a target for holidays or anything. I think it's more, I don't know. Okay,
0: all right. Uh, thank you Sophia, for so much insights in uh, both Austrian politics and Austrian culture. So yeah, thank you for joining us today.
1: It was. Very nice, thank you.
0: This was Europeable at Radio R. You can like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and the recording of this episode will be available on Mixcloud soon. My guest today was Sofia Weiser from Bernard, the heart of Europe. I'm Martin Vasely. Goodbye.